get started. Hey, Mara. Hey, hey. All right. Well, if you're on with us, welcome, welcome, welcome. Hi. Um, hi. So, hello and welcome. You are listening to the Whistle Down Mind Down with Crystal and Mara, a podcast dedicated to our favorite show, Bridgerton, from Chandelin Media, streaming on Netflix. And me, I'm Crystal, a wannabe librarian who loves to get lost in a story, and a Shonda Stan who constantly asks, does this make me a bad feminist? I love a good romance novel, but thought Regency era fictions were my own guilty pleasure. I now know better. Hi guys, and I'm Mara, a lover of, Brit of British period dramas and a huge Jane Austen fan. And if I could put myself anywhere, it would be in the writer's room at Shondaland to watch the magic happen. I didn't know that there were others like me out there reading historical romance novels. I feel like I have found my people. Today, we're gonna to be talking about Bridgerton season two, episode two, Off to the Races. Is it Off to the Races? Off to the Races. All right, I, didn't, <laughs> I, I did not mess it up this time. So please grab a glass of wine, tea, or another favorite beverage, and let's get into it. Mm -hmm. Do you have your beverage with you? I do. So today I'm having a little wine. It's not water today. Look at wine. Well, today I'm sporting the mud, still sporting water. That's fine, but cheers to you. Yes, cheers to you. <laughs> uh, cheers to you if you're listening. Cheers to you for watching. And <laughs> uh, I'm actually excited to get into this episode. I feel like uh, last episode, it felt rusty for both of us, I think. <laughs> Just like yeah, trying to yeah. get back into uh, this new space. Um, and like afterwards, I'm like, we didn't talk about anything. Like, that's how I felt. Like, I felt <laughs> like, I don't know if you felt the same way. I was like, we didn't talk as much as we normally do. And I'm like, we didn't get into anything last week. So I'm excited to get into a little bit more uh, today. And yeah, we'll just see what we can, how much we can pack into this hour. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. I definitely feel that also, Crystal, just kind of still shaking off the restiness. Um, get, you know, watching episode two and taking my notes went a little bit quicker than the first, you know, than watching episode one, because now I think I was like, just looking for more to bridge and, you know, just kind of, you know, kind of following the characters arc and everything like that. So uh, for me, I probably, I probably sound still, still a little bit dusty, but I'm starting to get back into the groove and talk about getting back into the groove. I got that quick breath for you. All right. So you ready for this one? I'm always ready for quick bread. Okay. All right. Now, don't clutch your pearls, okay? So here it comes. <laughs> All right, everyone, just as a quick reminder, Quick Bread really just kind of gives us the skimmy of what happened during the episode and also can probably highlight some of the topics, uh, discussions that Crystal and I will be having throughout the podcast episode. So here we go. We are off to the races. Colin has returned. The Bridgerton family is out in full force and Eloise finds a clue to the identity of Lady Whistledown. Anthony and Katie, I'm sorry, Anthony and Kate argue about horses or is that just foreplay? First, it was Lady Danbury, then of iniquity. Now we are treated to, 
to Lady Danbury Soiree. I see some of our gentlemen in the ton are quite talented. And then there are some that should have just stayed home, to be honest. Mm -mm. Um, <laughs> there has been a Mr. Mondridge sighting. Finally, our boxer. Whoop, 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 whoop. Okay, I will stop fangirling. But is it getting hot in here or is it just me? Just let me know. Um, and let's do a little <laughs> shout out to uh, now. I'm going to need your help with this one, Crystal. Is it is it Philippa Featherington? Did I pronounce it right? Yes. Oh, there we go. She is a whole wife now, y'all. She got married. She is a whole wife. Okay, Mr. Finch, take care of our girl. She's one of our favorites. And Penelope and Eloise are caught in the wrong part of town, but for different reasons. Mm. So, you know. It, I definitely feel like this episode was a little exciting and a little slow for me. I don't know about you. I know that that's something I kind of want to talk about, probably like an up to snuff. But I definitely feel like it kind of started, uh, it definitely started the whole uh, anticipation of how the whole season kind of, you know, run, runs its course a lot of anticipation. So there's a lot of building up to anticipation. And I would say this episode is one of those like foundation episodes for that. Mm -hmm. yeah. Ooh, Philippa. I will say like, it's, Philippa was like a footnote to me. So you were saying that I'm like, actually, yeah, that's a big piece of this. Um, especially because as soon as that happens, Philippa is now no longer in the picture, right? So when they go to the soiree, she's not there. Like she's not in the house anymore. Um, so yeah, that's a, okay. I somehow like missed it. I didn't miss it, but Philippa's not one of my favorite characters. So I'm kind of just like, all right. <laughs> I wait for her scenes to be over. Uh, not that they're not, they don't do, they do brilliantly uh, in their roles as Penelope's older sisters. And so uh, many a time, I don't give them enough credit, uh, but they play their part so well that I don't want to engage with them. I think that's what it comes down to. <laughs> oh, Crystal. But see, the Featheringtons, I feel, just kind of round out like the whole cast. Like you need to have a Featherington versus a Bridgerton, right? Um, you don't know who is going to be up or down depending on what situation is presented to each one of the families. So mm -hmm. I definitely feel kind of like the, you know, you know, the contrast between them. Uh, I definitely think that, you know, just by comparison, we, you know, compare the Featheringtons to the Bridgertons, right? You know, mm -hmm. we got to say, well, if we're the Bridgertons, we can say, well, at least we're not the Featheringtons because they got <laughs> a whole other situation. That daddy was murdered. <laughs> All of the things. Mm-hmm. That's true, right? And no one's, no one's like, he one talks about that. He was poisoned. Yes. Mm -hmm. And true. Then, people and don't remember that. And then now we have this new Mr. Featherington. Uh, Miss Farley, look, Miss Farley, the, the housekeeper will, well now, well now she's got like 50 million jobs within the house. So now she's <laughs> the housekeeper, the tailor, uh, you know, the ladies maids for like all three of them now. But um, she's she's Miss Rabbit. If you yeah. for the for the <laughs> Peppa Pig fans, 
Uh, <laughs> but uh you you know but miss farley is not an old woman when uh she sees a good looking man she's definitely giving him the once over remember that scene when uh i did when mr featherington <laughs> or lord featherington walks by her and she's just like mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she did she went to her womanly like her femininity like came out in that moment and i was like did you really? And then I love how Lady Featherington is like, really? Like, <laughs> probably you're supposed to be on my team. How dare you? Um, <laughs> so that was a fun piece. Uh, that was a fun scene for sure. Uh, not one of my favorites, but I did like, I, I appreciated it for the most part. Yeah. So, yeah. If you, so I'm ready to pass some scones. So, oh, if, know, ooh, my favorite one, like, I'm like, oh, I need to wait. Hold on. So, <laughs> No, okay, go ahead. I'm ready. So I don't want to. Right, I'm gonna go. This is because this was literally like the one thing that I was like, oh, I love this. Um, but for passing the scones, it for me is Benedict. Benedict came up at the top again today. Hold on a second. Uh -oh. Benedict was my favorite last week, and so uh -oh. now I'm like, oh, Benedict's my favorite again. Hold on. Um, but I can see why. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. It's Benedict trying to school his big brother, who is entitled and rude, mm. um, in my personal opinion. The man was having a full-on conversation and twice. his brother came in and said, I need to talk to you now. And like complete disregard for the person he was in the conversation with. Mm. Um, but when he asked his brother to like help him learn poetry, <laughs> like quickly, like help me now so I can do this. Uh, his quote on like what poetry is, he said, poetry, and obviously I'm paraphrasing the, the piece out on the brother, but poetry is the art of revealing precious truth with words. And I was just like, I think I paused it my first watch and rewinded it because I'm like, hold on, I want to hear that one more time. And I thought it was such a like beautiful definition and description of what poetry is. And it speaks to why some people like love poetry in the way that they do. And also that even if you don't love poetry, you can be a fan of poetry when you really understand the like, the gist and the, the you know, the, the, the foundation of what poetry is. And I was just, I, I loved that moment. Cause, and he, and like, even just Benedict going into the scene, like he starts, he just starts talking and his brother looks at him like, like, what are you doing? And he was kind of like, well, that's good. Like, how did you, like, how did you do that? He's like, no, mm -hmm. this is true. This is not a joke. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that had to be like my favorite. Um, yeah, that was just one of my favorites this, this episode. Uh, I'm already like off here in the dream world, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me just kind of add a little bit of a fangirl moment also about uh, Benedict, because I definitely feel like he was just dropping gems during this episode as well, because I really enjoy the brotherly conversations. So the brother, the brotherly conversation between Antony and Benedict when they're getting their like beards and getting like man facials, mm -hmm. uh, as well as when they're practicing fencing, I'm assuming out in the backyard. And I just oh, love the camaraderie and the, you know, familiarity between the three, like, you know, even though Antony is like, of course, the older brother that's a jerk, but you know, his two <laughs> brothers are there for him and they still got his back, you know, regard, even though they know exactly who he is, um, but they're still trying to, you know, give him the support he needs in, 
in in the moment and I feel like Benedict you know is trying to give that support but also trying to give a little bit of truth serum also mm-hmm. I agree look at such look at me they're just sweet they're such sweet boys um I don't know that I don't know these men I'm a- I don't know these children, these fictional children. Um, anyway, so, all right. So what was another, um, I really did, like that was really the biggest one. The other things that I enjoyed about this episode really go into up the snuff because those are some, those, those were moments. Uh, <laughs> so I'm going to keep uh, the poetry line as my one favorite for this episode. Uh, but do you have any others? Absolutely. So the one for me was Lady Danbury. And I think you and I had talked about this like offline, but it was the conversation between Lady Danbury and Kate. And this is the moment when Kate has left the soiree because Anthony has absolutely outdone himself with a little bit of honesty Mm -hmm. about his feelings and about and just sharing a little bit about himself, which I don't think he's ever really done uh, in front of all these other people, but especially in front of uh, Edwina. You know, Kate is not, Kate is not having it with Anthony right now. But, and, mm-hmm. and she almost took out a footman or like a server with her shoulder. I was like, what that anybody You almost took out a grown man walking around with some like, you know, hot dogs or something. I don't know what they're eating. Uh, but Kate, uh, but Kate is in the room, you know, upstairs and she's trying to, you know, self-soothe, self-calm. I can see her mm. doing some of those therapy, you know, uh, techniques of like, you know, just breathing, just doing some type of breathing exercise. Lady Danbury walks in and they're having a conversation about what transpired downstairs. And Kate is sharing, you know, why she doesn't think that it's a good fit for Anthony and Edwina. And then at one point, the conversation kind of shifts where Lady Danbury shares a little bit about what she's been observing from Kate, as if Kate is in agreement with having this solitude type lifestyle after Edwina is married off. And Lady Danbury just can't can't understand why. And Kate does a, a witty remark, and I don't understand why she keep coming for Lady Danbury like so far, <laughs> I have battles of like 10 to three at this point because Lady Banbury, she just keeps coming with it. Like she's been here before. And I got, I think I have to reiterate mm-hmm. that each episode. Lady Danbury has been here already. She's been through these little scenarios. And Kate looks to Lady Danbury and says, well, you're alone and you seem content. Almost as if, honestly, it sounded like a dig instead of what I think Kate was trying to say, which is you don't seem to be pressed to you know, either remarry or to find some type of companion. And so Lady Danbury, um, and I had to, and I did the same thing, Crystal, I had to go ahead and go back, put on the captions and write out <laughs> this little bit of monologue uh, that Lady Danbury had shared with Kate. And it goes like, and it goes a little bit like this. So Lady Danbury responds to Kate telling her, because I have lived a life. I am a widow. I have loved. I have lost. I have earned the right to do whatever I please whenever I please and however I please to do it. 
Mm-hmm. And it spoke to me in so many ways because as a woman in that era, she is speaking truth to power. She's letting Kate know, yes, I may be some of those things that you mentioned, but I've earned this station. I've earned the right to make the choices I want to make in my life. Because Lady Danbury played the rules like she was supposed to, and she lived the and she lived the life she chose. And now she's continuing to make those choices. So how dare you look on her? How dare Kate look on Lady Danbury as if it's a knock that Lady Danbury is where she is in life, as if Lady Danbury is lonely, as if she doesn't have enough excitement. And truth be told, between me and you, Crystal, I know she got a side piece. You don't have to tell me. I don't need to read it in the books. I know he is somewhere in, he's somewhere out there, and a nice eligible older bachelor, also a widower, has his own money. He he stays at his place and she stays at her mm-hmm. place. But they go ahead and meet up. <laughs> and then after that, they go back. All right. Okay. I already know. Okay. Look at this. Now I'm going to start looking in the background for Miss Danbury's, Lady Danbury's uh, persona. Uh, that is, I love that. Lady Danbury's piece. Who, who's Lady Danbury's piece? I love it. I think you said that so perfectly. And I think that was a moment because now, now that you're saying it, I'm like, Crystal, you lied, girl. That was a favorite moment for you too because you were just like this. Because the truth is, when Lady Danbury came into the room, Mm-hmm. And Kate's like, I already know. I don't need you to tell me. Ooh. I was like, she didn't come here to tell you <laughs> to be embarrassed. She came here to talk to you because she's like, girl, what is going on? Mm-hmm. And also, Lady Danbury like knows everything, right? Like she's like, it's the fact that through her wisdom that she came in and she's like, mm-hmm, something is up here. Uh, and I guess the the real moment, which I think cinched the whole thing for me, is her coming out of the room. So now Kate has come back to the party, mm-hmm. and Anthony turns to look at her, and his mother, because Mama Bridgerton's another one, turns and sees the moment, and then she looks up and sees Lady Danbury, and Lady Danbury makes the acknowledgement of this, like, no, I, like we have a problem, and I think the communication between the two of them in that moment was like. Another thing of like these women have wisdom, they have experience, they have a lot that they can kind of give you in experience in their their knowledge from their experience. And you know, being young, you think you know everything. And I think that was one of the reasons I wanted to bring up Kate and up to snuff was just I'm like, Kate thinks she knows everything. Um, oh, but yeah. really this like encapsulate encapsulates all of it. Like the fact that Lady Danbury can see. She can see what she's like, whatever you're dealing with, you have to, you, you need to deal with whatever you're dealing with first before you start pushing that all on your sister. Um, but yeah, I think just the fact that she could come in, like, you know, it's her, it's her party. Like the other thing too, is like, you know, sometimes if you're in an event, you're doing something and you see this, <laughs> let me know. You know how sometimes there's, there's a person that always has an issue. So somebody always has to go get them. Uh, and so eventually they're like, you go, I'll go, I'll take it. <laughs> But I appreciate that, like, at her event, right, she's she's throwing this soiree. She felt the need to come and talk to Kate. Like, she, there's there's care there. 
And I think, I don't know if Kate recognizes that, but Lady Danbury is coming here in support. She's not coming here to, to, to bash you and what have you. She's coming to check on you to make sure everything's okay. And then have you come back and, you know, have you, you know, be able to return to the party. But yeah, I love Lady Danbury. Lady Danbury is that auntie that like, in the beginning when you're young, you don't like her because she's always been on your case. But then when you get older, you're just like, oh my God. She always gives me the best advice. Mm -hmm. exactly. <laughs> that's who you go to when, when everyone else is stressing you out. That's who you go to. Like that's your person. Absolutely, absolutely. So, yeah. Oh, that was such a good moment, though, um, because it's it's the, it's the beginning of understanding this this moment for Kate of like like Kate, why are you why are you so mad? Because Kate gets mad like. Episode one, she has her interaction with Anthony. She storms off. And same thing, Lady Danbury's like, mm, you, you're obviously upset about something. And she's like, no, like nothing's wrong. I just need to go, ready to go. And she always deflects. Uh, and then in the same situation here, she's like, you, you are upset again. And this time I know why. So it's also like, huh, again. And this is not a little bit of feeling. This is like an explosion of feeling for her. Cause like you said, she almost took that man out. They would, they would have had to call for the doctor if uh, she had been a little bit more to her right. She could have hit him square in the chest. We don't know what would have happened to that man. But <laughs> but it's true because she hit that man hard. Because you that thing, it sounded like a collision. That was sound that, was that girl got some narrow shoulders. There's no way she sounded like a fullback. Good lord. <laughs> Not a fullback. No, because it sounded like that sounded like it hurt. It sounded like it hurt. And I was like, dang, that means she was she was that's a storm out. Mm -hmm. She was storming out of that room. Mm -hmm. mm, poor, poor Kate. But not poor Kate, because it's like Kate still needs to learn. So anyway. You know what? This kind of also, so you said two things that kind of kind of piqued my interest. One was you had said Kate is a type that is she thinks she knows everything, right? Mm -hmm. Anthony is the same way. And I'm just talking about like personality wise. Anthony also has yes. that same personality trait that he thinks he knows everything. And yep. maybe his kind of similar moment that Kate had, he didn't have it in public per se, but he had it with his brothers when he was fencing. And Benedict got the better of him for a good, for, for one of the matches. And, and put Anthony um, in check. So, mm -hmm. okay, so there's parallels there. And of course there's gonna be like multiple other ones, but I did not see these parallels so early on in these episodes. I see them more so towards the end of the season, but yeah, they're, they're both having this moment of, well, I know, I, I know what's best and it, mm -hmm. it should be me that know, you know, it should be yes. for my thought thinking plan is this is how it should go. And the other one is purposely trying to challenge me or, you know, um, what do you call it? Trying to challenge me or purposely trying to sabotage me. Like Kate mm -hmm. are really, that's where the whole despise is starting to trickle in right then. Yes. It's, it's true because every time he's arguing, it's not so much about, Edwina specifically, it's just the sister, the sister, the sister. Like he doesn't even mention, I don't think, Edwina at all when he's arguing about 
Kate. Um, and it's a self-argument too. It's, there's no one else in this argument but him. He's just mad. <laughs> and his brothers are just like, so like they're just going along with it, but no one is arguing with him. It's just him arguing with <laughs> the, the Miss Sharma, who's not physically present at the time. Mm -hmm. And same thing with her. But this is that she doesn't have someone to talk to about it because she's um, she's been putting her feelings down. What is that called? And she's like suppressing them. And she's been holding everything in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so she doesn't have an outlet the same way that Anthony does. And I think that's probably why she hit that man so hard with her narrow shoulders. <laughs> okay, I know. I know we're going to be finishing up past the stone soon. So let me just add a couple things that I liked about the episode. Uh, one is Queen Charlotte's baby blue on sky blue and back to baby blue uh, entire outfit uh, during during the visit mm. of the, the Sharmas visiting the palace. I mean, top five look of this season, period. Yes. Uh, I don't know about you guys. I mean, I don't know about you, Crystal, or any of our folks that are watching, but Lord Lump, is it Lumpley? Lumpley. 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 I look. Sweetest. Yes. Oh my goodness. And, the, and shout out to the actor. I hope I'm not mispronouncing it. It's Louis Gaunt. And when I first watched the episode, I was trying to find him. I was trying to find the actor that played him. I could not find him to save my life. But mm -hmm. finally, finally last night when I, when I was re-watching the episode, I was like, oh yes, I need to find this guy's name again. And so I did my Google search and found out. And he's a model actor. He also sings, he's done some Broadway plays, very well versed. Oh, wow. And I definitely think that he was a scene stealer. I mean, but then again, you know, I'm fangirling off of him. So he's a cutie to me. Uh, and uh, <laughs> Kate's side eyes. I mean, the way that she be giving a side eye, honey, if looks could kill, whew. I mean, mm. Superman ain't got nothing on her. Not at all. Kate, Kate strong with the side eye power. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> was definitely, um, Lumley's poetry was like perfectly, it, he did a great job in his, just the way he like, I don't even have the, I don't, I never, I never have the link, uh, but just the way he was like, so serene and calm and mm -hmm. it was gentle. Yes. And so, and you're watching, I'm watching the girls as they're sitting in the, like, sitting to watch the performances. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, look, and, and I love how everyone's just like in it and they're just like, enraptured in like his words and the the sweetness and the gentleness of it um and yeah I got some things to say about that too though when we okay. get to okay. up to snuff because yeah but I do I did appreciate Lumley I thought he was a sweet sweetie beauty um I also have some things to say about Lumley for later but I think I have to wait till we'll come back to him yeah we'll come yeah. back to him Okay. Okay. <laughs> did, did you have a favorite? Did you have a favorite character for uh, this episode? Lumley. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's it's so because of it. <laughs> it's because of the way that the way he 
so there's the two parts of it, right? Like you're learning about Lumley, the fact that she, like Kate has him as her top choice. And then you're kind of like, you get to see more of him throughout this episode. Uh, part of it though, is he's not a bad guy. Like, I think this is something I want to get into. I want to get into strategy in Up to Snuff, but like he like opens up and sets the scene when like Kate's like, oh, <laughs> this is the part when they're at the races. And he's like, oh, my mother's looking forward to having tea with you again. And I'm just like, sir, why did you set him up in that way? You're helping him too much. Like, why are you jumping up to be like, because it feels like he's trying to say like, hey, I have, like, I'm with Edwina. But at the same time, it's like, you're giving him too much respect right now. You're not helping your case. And then he runs off to go get the girl lemonade. And then the man come take his seat. Like, go get the lemonade. that's the thing like so you get to see him over the course of the episode so that's like the one piece there there's the part when like he's he's spending all this time talking to to Edwina um when they have like the visits or they came in the morning but then when you finally get to the part when he's talking about them when they're first walking in that like he carries a a notebook with him and he writes his poetry there so it's kind of like you get a bit of his sentiment from that, but then when you actually finally get to hear him speak, right? He's not interrupted in this moment. There's no one that's trying to like jockey for, for time because everyone was given their time. So we actually get to see like what kind of like that that kindness, that gentleness that um, that is attractive in this option for Edwina. And I think, and also why the two of them would be such a great match. I think that's the other piece of it. Like you guys would be great together. This is, This would be a really, this would be wonderful. And so I think it's seeing that piece of it uh, is what made me say like Lumley did a really, really great job. And I don't know why, but he looked more handsome at, in that moment than he did at the races and everything else. Yes. That's a personal, well, I guess that's a personal preference, but <laughs> I, thought, I thought he looked so much, like he looked more handsome in that in that moment. And I was just like, oh my, I was like, I literally, I, I melted in that moment. I was just like, this is so sweet. Um, <laughs> But yeah, that was it. I love how I said I had no favorites. It was just the quote, but basically it was lovely. It was the scene with Lady Danbury and Kate. And <laughs> it was uh, this young man. I got, you. I got you. You pulled it out. You pulled it out. I appreciate you. I got you. I got you. Um, <laughs> I didn't have a favorite character this episode. No one really, no one really jumped out. I, I feel like it was more collaborative scenes that popped out versus, you know, can I say that there was one person that their performance jumped out and I'm like, oh, I love this character. No one really jumped out because I felt like even with Lady Danbury and Kate, you needed to have both of them in the room having the conversation. Between Kate and Anthony, mm -hmm. you need to have both of them there in the conversation. <clears throat> even, even with Eloise and Theo, our new character, Theo James over at the printing press, whoop, whoop. He's a cutie oh, hey. and, and he's a progressive and, you know, probably like the earliest feminist, uh, male feminist <laughs> in the, in the uh, Bridgerton universe. 
you needed to have Eloise and Theo in the scene. So, you know, I really feel like it, it, it was a lot of collaboration with the characters versus can, can I pull one? No, I can't, I can't pull a favorite character uh, this season. Um, can I talk to you about something new I learned real quick? Do I have time? Sure. Yeah. Um, well, we can throw a crumb in and then we can get to, um, <laughs> we can get to up to snuff. I know we went over it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, look, We're look passing the scopes. Oh, God. But yeah, throw a crumb in there. Let's, let's hear it. But let me know, during last week's episode, did you mention about the word dandy or no? No. I didn't? Okay. So when Kate is coming down the stairs with the list of potential suitors and Lord Lumley is at the top, I don't know who mentioned him as a dandy. I don't know if it was Edwina that mentioned him as a dandy or Lady Danbury. Someone mentioned him as a dandy and it caught my ear. I was like, well, I was like, are they trying to do like a, you know, a little side jab at, at my boo or like, cause what are y'all talking about so you know know, I had to go ahead and do my little google search and the word dandy definition a man unduly devoted to style neatness and fashion in dress and appearance a dandy is a man who who places particular importance upon physical appearance refined language and leisurely hobbies pursued with the appearance of nonchalance. And I was like, okay, so that's not a dick. But I think they were using it to maybe say he was a little bit on the conceited side, maybe, that he would be too much focused on the appearance and how he presented himself. It may be hard to kind of gauge whether his interests were genuine or not. Maybe that's how they were trying to use the word because I feel like Kate, in her rebuttal to the word dandy, she, I forgot the term that she used, but she used a more, a stronger positive characteristic term, you know, kind of giving him a better light versus the word mm-hmm. dandy. So that's something I learned during the episode. What, what, what did you think about that scene? I, so I missed that word, but that's interesting that it sounds like what would be considered today a metrosexual, which was like, I feel like that was a heightened term for some time. Nobody uses it anymore. Mm-hmm. And then um, it could also mean like, it's like a Schmidt from New Girl, where it's just either he's a, <laughs> he's a bit douchey. I love Schmidt. Oh my God. Why are you? I love <laughs> but right? so we much. love Schmidt. Schmidt is emotional love- and he... He wants to be uh, a good person, but he just has. He just want to be. <laughs> Look, I got to know about New Girl. I, I I was so late. I don't know this is a sidebar, but I uh, someone had recommended it to me. I forgot who it was, and it was during the height of the pandemic. And mm-hmm. let me tell you that that series, hands down, had me laughing out loud. I was, <laughs> I was. <laughs> And it helped me get through this pandemic. Definitely one of those. I definitely recommend it. One of those Netflix binge-worthy shows to go check out. Go ahead. Sorry, Crystal. Yes. No, no, that was it. I just started watching it, though. I just started watching it um, on season one. And I think Oh, my God. 
oh, keep me posted. So it's definitely, yeah, definitely worth it. Um, yeah, and, and it's funny because when you said it, I'm just like, oh, like, <laughs> with his chutney, his hair chutney, chutney. <laughs> anyway, all right, let's get into this up to snuff. Um, there's a couple things, but oh gosh, what do I start with? I don't know. Okay, uh, so what I, there's so many options. Okay, one, I want to start by giving credit to to the Sharma sisters and really all the Sharmas. Um, Cause Mary Sharma is pretty quiet for the most part. We don't see too much of her, uh, but I just really wanted to stop and like acknowledge that one, I was very excited for this season because we were getting leading ladies that were South Asian, of South Asian descent. Yes. Um, and they were brown girls. Like I was like, what, we're brown girls next season. Like I was so excited for that. And uh, we didn't, uh, talk about it last episode, but um, one thing for me was just like, I was just, I love how uh, amazing they look, number one, but also just like the their, their ability to play their roles so well is just like another reminder of this, like, I don't know why nobody has done this before, right? Like, it's not about ability, right? It's, it's, um, or correction, it's not about lack of ability. Uh, it's mostly been about lack of opportunity. And I just really appreciate uh, being able to see them come in and like take the role and show out in the way they need to um, or the way that they can. And I really very much appreciate Edwina's role as the diamond because she has the qualities. Like it's, and I think this is, this will be interesting to see what they do next season also. But like when we watched the first season I don't know what they mean by the twin, right? Like, I'm just like, all right, like I'm watching it. I'm, I'm, I'm learning who Daphne is at the beginning. Um, and then in this case, like they name Edwina. And then as I'm watching, I'm just like, wow, there's actually a quality that like, when you see it, you're just like, that's what they mean by naming the diamond. Like she knows what words to say. She knows how to um, like, she knows how to like make her point without hurting anyone's feelings. Um, and, but she's also not one to be messed with. I think we don't see that yet with, um, with her. We saw it a little bit in the scene when Kate is trying to stop her from going to talk to Anthony at the end. And then she like, she, she cuts her off. And I was like, okay, because I did not like episode one where she was always looking to her sister, like, is this okay? Is this okay? Like that bothered me. And so we finally see it, like her kind of like push back a little bit. And I was like, oh, okay. This is to me, that's what really differentiates a diamond from just being like genteel and sweet and like knows all the rules to, I know how to stand on my own two feet as like a woman that's leading my life. Um, so yeah, there's no like question in that, but I would say like from an up to snuff perspective that she's Edwina or uh, her, Real name is Charithra Chandra, Chandra. I may have gotten that wrong. I'm gonna practice more. <laughs> but I did think that Charithra did a great job in playing this role. And it's only been, uh, we're only talking about the first two episodes, but just in the overall arc of her, her experience, I thought it was great. Um, and I know that she had mentioned in an interview how there had been friends of hers that said like, oh, you only got the job because you're brown. And I was like, ah. Like it's, it's painful to know that that's something that comes 
that can come from people that are close to you and don't um, don't trust you, you know your ability right in your role um, or like your skills. And I think that she did uh, a great job in in playing the part. So yeah, this is me just kind of babbling on, but I really really. Uh, appreciated kind of like coming in knowing that we were getting this new diversity and granted I don't um, obviously don't know all the culture right that that exists and you can't know everything that exists in all of South Asia but I do appreciate that they um, are placing words into the language of this that like helps give you new information or things to look into into right so knowing that the language of Hindustani is is something different. Like I didn't know that that was a language. I thought that Hindu was only like a type of religion. I didn't know there was a language. So like, it was one of those things of like, oh, I'm learning, I'm learning from these, these little bits that we're getting in this fantasy world. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, I just really appreciated that. And so I just wanted to make sure I get a chance to talk about that last, last time, but I really appreciated, um, just, just their being here. Like, I'm just like, I just, I, this is, I think this is the reason why I like this show so much is just the fact that we have so much um, opportunity to both tell the story, tell this romance story, tell this Regency era story, like uh, go into like, the jewels and the money and all of the, uh, the glam of it, but also talking about a love story throughout uh, and then be able to do that and have people that look like the people I know, like the people that I'm, uh, I'm, I've experienced life with, or that I um, can relate to. Um, so yeah, that's just. I just wanted to make that point because I really, yeah. Even just watching to, like this this episode two again, I was like, this, I love this. <laughs> like I really just appreciated it. Yeah. Anyway, I'll I'll ramble on forever and ever. But that was yeah, that was just real sweet for me. It's just like knowing that that got to be um, this season, that, that that was like, I knew that every every episode I wouldn't be looking for someone. I thought that was, yeah. You know what, I, I wanted to add that I think with our first episode, we were very excited just to have Bridgerton back. I think that with our episode last week, we were just excited to have Bridgerton back. You and I were back talking again, talking about one of our favorite shows. So I definitely, I definitely understand why you feel like, you know, we didn't necessarily mention this during our first episode, but I appreciate us talking about it now and giving it the time and space to kind of let that sink in because I promise you, I literally have it written down as part of my up to snuff. And again, just, just piggybacking off of what you were saying, appreciating that the Bridgerton team, you know, uh, created this universe of diversity, and I am more, I am more interested now about what season three and season four will look like. But they have already cemented in my mind that this show is about inclusion. It is about mm-hmm. not being colorblind. It is really having people from different ethnic cultural backgrounds, different skin tones, and we are acknowledging it, we're embracing it, and we're having a good time with it, seeing these actors play some of our, you know, favorite characters out of the book, and it's entertaining, and no one's really paying attention other than uh, Simone Ashley, which I'll kind of talk on her a little bit. That woman is gorgeous. She is 
absolutely mm-hmm. gorgeous. She is stunning. And, you know, her, you know, matter of fact way is definitely irking my nerves sometimes. Cause I'm like, girl, if you don't sit down and smoke some weed, like, cause you <laughs> be taking me out sometimes. But I do understand though, um, through her character, she is carrying the weight of the first child, right? So, mm. so of course, you know, we're going to learn more later, but she definitely takes on, you know, the old, you know, the oldest child, which is, you know, whether male or female, you know, tends to be, you know, the next in line to uh, help guide the family forward. And since there are no males within the family, uh, Kate, mm-hmm. Kate, Kate takes on that role. And she does understand that uh, she is a woman of color and she is a woman uh, that she's going to have it twice as hard, but she's already thinking about what her future may be after Edwina is married. And, and she's okay with it because her primarily, I'm sorry, her primary goal is to support her family, making sure that her sister is good, making sure her mother is good. And she'll figure out the rest herself. Uh, but coming back to, you know, the representation of, of Kate and Edwina and seeing and seeing that beautiful brown skin on television, I'll just say it, it's nice to see. Representation mm-hmm. matters so much. I think people take advantage of it sometimes because we say that we're in, oh, it's 2022 you know, so much has changed. And I'm like, yes, a lot has changed. Unfortunately, some of the surface level things have not. And Hollywood and television and our entertainment industry, uh, I hope that they continue to make advancements to continue to judge their actors based on their skill set and be a little bit more open-minded in terms of who who this character is supposed to be on the page. Mm-hmm. I agree. And that you said something that made, I think I'll bring back for um, when we get to Aubrey Hall um, about what Kate's, how Kate kind of plays her role as the eldest and also as the, um, the only female uh, in their, in their little family. Um, all right. So I'm trying to be mindful of time and but there's, okay, here's the question. And I'll, the, the moment happened, um, okay. You know, Anthony Bridgerton is not my favorite character. He gets on my nerves the most. And <laughs> however, when he comes in at the end and he's trying to read uh, Benedict's poem uh, and he's failing because he realizes like, as he's talking about honor, he sees his mother, he sees Kate, first of all. Mm. And, he, and he recognizes that he, he can't, he's, that's not who he is. Um, and so he's, he does give an honest uh, description of himself. And the thing that he says is that he cannot give a display of passion, uh, but, he, but that action and duty is what he can provide. Mm-hmm. And my question to you is if you had to choose between the two, which would you choose? Display of passion versus action and duty? You know what? This is, you going two for two. You are really stumping me on these questions both nope you're not gonna corner me in this one I feel like you can't have one without the other in terms of my opinion to work with me Mm -hmm. 
what comes to mind is that um, for women that have had father figures in their life, um, mm-hmm. and that's whether it's biologically related or non-biologically related, and you know, having that father figure, you know, someone that you, you know, look to as a source of advice and protection. At times, we, you know, those characteristics, we we take that on as women to and seek that in future mates. And of course, when I'm thinking of my dad, I'm just like, my dad was definitely the uh, what what was the uh, the first one you said? Display of passion and action and duty. I I can definitely see my dad as that action and duty, like. But again, I'm coming from a child's perspective, right? I'm not, you Mm -hmm. know, I don't, other than, you know, you know, seeing my parents together for over 40 years, you, that's, that, that's what I have. So I, I, you know what, I'm, I'm going to stick to my first answer. I said all that to say both. Nope. Uh, You're not going to put me in this one, but go ahead. I would love to hear your answer to this (laughs) tough one. Oh God, I swear you know what maybe we should take shots of tequila anytime we say both and i'll tell you why later i've been watching (laughs) i've been been watching another podcast (laughs) got it i'm putting down my notes down so tequila for both we'll see how it goes i have to say it's a both for me too like it's not um because even my so so what i actually wrote down Mm -hmm. was dang it anthony that's what i wrote with exclamation point i was like ah Honesty, <laughs> honesty, and authenticity get me every time. Uh, because the truth, which is what Benedict referenced in that, in his quote, right, was the fact that poetry leads to truth, or what was the precious truth? It's it's the art of revealing precious truth with words. And I was like, he that happened for him. Like, granted, the poetry in his case was just his his words, right, not someone else's but it did reveal his truth, right? Which is like, I can't pretend to be these other things. Um, but at the same time, I think the biggest piece of like the just like choosing between the two, I'm like, I, I know for me, I'm like, I want the love match. I don't want the business arrangement, right? Because it's like, what's the point, right? Cause you're gonna go through all this. If I have to go through all this, <laughs> well, enjoy my time here with you. So when I thought about it, I'm just like, ah, oh, action and duty is like, important but like acting duty without affection I, I feel like it's just yeah this leaves you wanting and so um yeah I'd have to say both too sadly I can't even choose but yeah I'd have to say both <laughs> oh that's a good one that's a good one let's see um so I have two that I wanted to talk to you about but I'm I'm, I'm trying to be my hey, okay well we okay we got I think we have time for one more, one more. and I'm kind of hoping that what you pick is what I wanted to talk about too so let's so okay. pick one okay 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 ready ready mm-hmm. Penelope got rent Penelope got <laughs> zone straight to her face okay like he said he girl he said but you're just pen and when I tell you my entire, like, like you ever seen that movie where someone has like a glass in their face and just crumbles down? Like, that's exactly how I felt. And I was just like, oh my God. 
Oh man. My girl. That was painful. That was painful. Straight to her face, Crystal. Like there was no warm up, nothing. And it's like, I don't even like, did Penelope walk herself into that? Do you think she kind of walked herself into that? Or is it still like she didn't walk in no like she nobody could have saw that I would not have expected that to show up the way that it did um she like other women was going in for some information she was like oh we didn't get to get to the bottom of this last time so let me try to get into who you were hanging out with I want to know what's going on because Penn is focused on her strategy the same way Anthony was focused on his strategy, right? Everyone's trying to be strategic. Danbury's mm-hmm. the queen of it. Mama Bridgerton's second place, close first. Um, but it's all about the strategy. Penn's yeah. strategy was like, hold on, let me see who's here. Because remember what happened first season. Somebody got in the way and she tried to take them out completely. Don't forget what Lady Whistledown did to Marina. Marina. Okay. She took out Marina. Yes. Correct. So yeah. she needed to come and get her information so that she knew what she needed to do next. She's trying to figure out what type of game she needs to play. So, no, I didn't expect that to happen. But also, I also understood why she had to go and ask these questions because she gets an opportunity uh, to talk to Colin. However, I, like, I think I fell. Like, I was like, she, cause she goes, she's like, so you're like, literally, I love how she's like, so you're swearing off women. He's like, for, for right now. And I'm like, ooh, and I'm like, ooh, probably. and then she goes, well, I'm a woman. He said, <laughs> he said, you're, okay. <laughs> he just said, you're not, he said, you're not a woman. You're Ben. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh. And I know what they, I know it's like, oh my God. He doesn't see her in that light. Like, is oh. that what he's trying to say? But it was still kind of like, bro. <laughs> oh my God. Really, yeah, it was really raw. Like, I was like, damn, Colin, like, and, and, you, and you must be the most blinded man on God's green earth. The scene back at the races, Colin even says it. Penn, you were the one that wrote back the most. I feel like I spoke. He feels like he spoke mm-hmm. back more in the letters than he did his own family. Yes, which is accurate because Eloise definitely said that she started throwing them suckers out. <laughs> she was like, oh, she's like, oh, she's like, he writes too much. Like, like, why? Like, in other words, no one wants to talk to you. Uh, Eloise and, and, and Colin's relationship was kind of funny. Um, but the whole, so it's this, the thing I think I, I did love the most about this piece uh, that I thought was up to snuff was just the fact that they played the like Penelope kind of like coming out a little bit. Like she's, she's both curious, right? As Lady Whistledown in, in one sense, like that allows her to be like curious and journalistic, but mm-hmm. there's the part of her that's a young girl that's just has a huge crush and she's just trying to get to her person. I love it at the races where she's walking and she's like, she asks like, does anybody see the Bridgertons? Like to her sister and her sister's like, you know, like I don't know. Like, like she doesn't care. Mm-hmm. And she's over here, she's looking, like she's out there. And then as soon as she sees Colin, she starts and she goes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, Colin. Let me tell you, lightweight, I've done that a couple times. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> I'll admit it. I scanned the room. Okay, peeped them. Okay, cool. Walk this way. 
because I know we're going to find a way around back to Amlich. So Penelope's smart, but. Mm -hmm. So she was trying her strategy, but the strategy backfired in a way that we didn't mm -hmm. anticipate. Um, and I know for me, I was like, I was like, ooh, because it's cold. It was cold. It hurt. It was painful. Um, <laughs> but I think her, what I really enjoyed was the way that they, the way that Colin played the role of like, he's aloof, right? So we know on this side that he's aloof to it, right? But at the same time, when he's interacts with her, there's so much warmth there. Right. So even if you look, go back and, and I, I always tell people, go back and look at it. But if you go back and look at the way Calvin looks at her, you would like she's 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 melting because she's just like, oh, my God, like I'm talking with him. This is amazing. Right. And but then the, the whole you're not a woman thing, your pen, like he was kind of like, oh, no, that, mm -mm. that's not you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I just love I love the way that they played that where like he's in this mode where he's trying to find himself and he's just like you know I loved his his Ariana Grande uh moment uh I was you know that song thank you in the thank you next song when she says um like she's getting to know someone else and she said her name is Ari like she's she gets she's finding herself mm -hmm. I immediately thought of that moment uh when Colin said like that's why he wasn't lonely. And I'm just like, I'm like, look at you, look at you, look, like that's gross, right? Like you're, you're realizing like, it's not about, it is growth when you realize that you, this is who you have, in my opinion, right? So with regardless of what's going on around you, he was very much hurt about what happened with Marina. I'm sure he was beating himself up in, in many ways, uh, but I think being able to like recognize that you are, you are you, your decisions are your decisions. And, and I think, taking the time to get to know yourself is very important because then you realize that the things that you worry about that you're concerned about or that uh, maybe upset you, like sometimes those things are outside of you. That's not you. And then sometimes they are from you and it's getting to know like, well, why is that? And then you either you, you make peace with it or you change it. You have every, every chance to do that. This goes back to season one, but like choices, it's all about choices you get to choose. Um, so that's why I thought that was really great to like see him kind of going through that process. At the same time, he's so much in himself that he has no idea what Penn is like. Penn is over here just fawning. <laughs> he's just like, huh? Eh. I'm sorry. Mm -mm. <laughs> that is tough. That is tough. I don't know. Um, all right. So <laughs> I think it's time. For us to wrap up, but before we go, did you have any other uh, last thoughts on Colin and Penelope? No, I honestly, I think what you said was perfect way to end the episode. All right, thanks, Mara. Well, that's it for us. We have rounded out episode two of the Whistle Down Wind Down, discussing Bridgerton, da, 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 off to the races. Um, we will be back next week to talk episode three. And yeah, come back, have a listen, join us, let us know what you think, add some comments, add some reviews. We'd love to hear it. We'll talk to you soon. Yes. Bye.